It's time for Fantasy Alarms MLB Team Previews, our front office insights, and it takes us to Flushing, New York, the New York Metropolitans. You can find uh, uh, all sorts of good stuff going on here with the Mets. Uh, Pete Alonso is always a, a, a great guy to have uh, on your fantasy teams. The pitching has changed a little bit uh, now that DeGrom is no longer here with the Mets. There's all sorts of stuff uh, going on here with the Mets. Jim, how are you today? Are you uh, you ready to talk about the uh, the New York Mets? You were just recently at camp for the Mets too, weren't you? Yeah, I was just with them, Howard, and uh, just absolutely uh, had a great time in camp, no, no doubt about it. Spent a lot of time with Buck Walter, the manager of the Mets, spent a lot of time with Billy Epler, the GM, uh, spent time with uh, Francisco Lidnor and Justin Verlander and Edwin Diaz. So really uh, a fun experience being in Mets camp. Great vibe out there. You can tell they won 101 games last year. And you can tell they feel pretty confident of where they are right now as a team, thinking uh, without a doubt they're a World Series contending team. Well, listen, when when, uh, when Cohen bought that team and, and opened up his checkbook, said he was going to put all the money into the players, onto the field, uh, and, uh, and, and he's been, you know, they've been – uh, fairly active. They weren't really active at the trade deadline last year, which everybody found uh, incredibly uh, interesting. Let's talk about uh, what the Mets did. Let's start with their off-season moves heading into the 2023 season. Jim, uh, okay. biggest moves for the Mets? Yeah, so the biggest move, obviously, was signing Justin Verlander. They lost Jacob DeGrom in free agency, and the minute they did that, they pivoted to Verlander and got the deal done so quickly that Verlander, he had no reason to even to shop the offer. Two years, $86.66 million, uh, and he, he, he and his wife, Kate Upton, had dinner with the Coens. This deal got done so quick, your head will spin. So that was the big move. The other big move, or I should say moves, because really they had, they had four really big moves. The other big free agent signing... Uh, actually, just before he got to free agency, was Edwin Diaz signed a five-year, $102 million deal. He is the best closer in the National League. He is a uh, a worthwhile third-round pick in fantasy. I think he's as much, he and Emmanuel Classe of the Cleveland Guardians are, to me, the only two slam-dunk, very little-risk closers in the game. If you want one, you, you got to reach and you got to take them in the third round. You just do. Um, they also brought back Brandon Nimmo on an eight-year, $162 million deal. It was interesting. He didn't have a lot of offers out there. Toronto and Colorado played a little bit, but, again, that deal got done in four hours. Uh, so when Steve Cohen wants something, he just gets it. He doesn't, he doesn't play around. When he decides he wants a guy, he just goes and gets it. And I think the most intriguing signing in free agency, which we all have to wait and see, is the Japanese pitcher Kode Singa, who signed a five-year, $75 million deal. I saw him in spring training, was really impressed with his physique, right? This is a guy that throws 97, touch 100. But I'll tell you what blew my mind is he, we gave him a baseball and asked him to show us his grips. When he showed us his split finger grip, his fingers were like the size of my body. Like his <laughs> fingers are so large and it's like he has an extra joint in them. But the way that his fingers wrap around the ball with a splitter, I don't think I've seen that since the late Bruce Suter, to be honest with you. Can't wait to watch him. I get I get to see him pitch Sunday um, is when he's scheduled to pitch, so I get to see him then in person. So 
Can't wait to see him, to be honest with you. But those are the biggest moves. Look, they made other moves, too. And don't get me wrong. They brought they, they, they upgraded the bullpen with both David Robertson and Adam Ottavino. I thought those were good moves. They got some outfield depth there with Tommy Pham. Uh, they brought in Jose Quintana as the fifth starter. Um, they made the trade with the Marlins to get Elijah Hernandez to give them some starting pitching depth. Um, uh, also they got the Southpaw Brooks Raley in a deal with it, with the Rays. So they, they were aggressive. They made a lot of moves. They took 101 team, 101 win team. And I can argue they're a better team right now than they were, uh, the team that won 101 games last year. All right. Well, let's go around the horn and let's, uh, let's take a look at it and see what exactly we've got here. Uh, with the New York Mets, Omar Narvaez, he uh, he's sitting behind the plate. Uh, but Francisco Alvarez looms. A lot of people looking at Francisco Alvarez and uh, and interest in him. Uh, Pete Alonso at first, Jeff McNeil playing the Keystone at second, Eduardo Escobar at third. You said that the other day that you know everybody was looking at Brett Beatty, uh, wanting to bring in that kid. But Escobar's in locked in at third. Francisco Lindor at shortstop. Does that cover the infield there? Yeah, it does cover the infield in just a couple of notes, as you mentioned. Um, I kind of felt like that Alvarez's bat should be ready for the big leagues, and it gives them another impact bat. Uh, but it was very clear in my conversation with GM Billy Epler and Buck Showalter, the manager, that they want him to continue to develop his defense in the minor leagues, and they don't feel that he's defensively ready for the big leagues. So I, I don't see him starting with this team, even if he has a good spring. I think it's Narvaez and Nito behind the plate. Then in terms of Brett Beatty, I think Brett Beatty right now is better than Escobar. I like Escobar's power, but I think Beatty's a better player right now. But again, they said basically the same thing they did with Alvarez. They they think he's got some developing to do. Um, and, you know, he, the words that Billy Epler used for me, quote unquote, was never say never, but he doesn't believe in evaluating players in spring training, nor does he believe evaluating them in September. And so... Uh, it sounded like both Alvarez and Beatty being the minors, but they're guys that you stash late because at some point, by the time you get to the second half of the year, I'd be shocked if Alvarez isn't catching and Beatty isn't playing at third. I'd be shocked. All right. Very, very good to know. Let's hit the outfield now. You've got Nimmo in center, who, like you said, $186 million richer. Uh, Starling Marte is a little banged up with an abdominal issue right now, but they expect him back for opening day. Uh, he's over in right. Mark Kana in left. Tommy Pham looks like uh, the fourth outfielder in this crew. Tim LaCastro, possibly the fifth outfielder. But then you've also got the DH spot here. And Pham can certainly be uh, a DH, but they also have Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelbach. So... Yeah, it seems like Vogelbach mm. and Ruff kind of platoon and Tommy Pham becomes the fourth outfielder playing all three outfield positions. So I think that's kind of how they look at it. I think there's a lot of at-bats for for all of them, and I think Buck will be just mixing and matching, getting it to work. But I think the outfield, you know, basically is Marte, Nimmo, and Canna, and then Tommy Pham will get some time probably in left field more so than center or right field, of course. But if Marte is injured and can't go – you know, you can always put Canna in right and Pham in left, so there's some flexibility there. Uh, Pham still has a little bit left in the tank, not a lot, but he can still hit homers and still steal some bags as well, which in fantasy we all love. He's got a good right hook. We've seen it in action. We've seen it in action also. How many How many, How many? many Mets join Tommy Pham's next fantasy football league? <laughs> None. Uh, Will Smith? 
<laughs> I meant the you, catcher. Why did you think I meant the actor? Howard. You Howard. keep I was my not fantasy team's name out your mouth. I was not doing that. Uh, in the bullpen, we all know Diaz is the closing. Bullpen? No, let's go to the starters. What are you talking about bullpen? Well, you I want to talk starting start pitching. Back to the front. Back to the. You don't go back to front. You always know you got to go front to back, Jim. You don't want to get diseases. I always like the caboose better. All right, we'll start with the rotation. <laughs> so Justin Verlander wins the Cy Young in the American League. He is fresh. Stuff's come out of his hands. Good. His odometer was cleared up when he sat out. 20 and 21 so I, i'm expecting a big year for verlander take him i i, I don't know why he, he gets pushed back a little bit in drafts he's on a great team he's got great stuff he's got an impact closer why isn't he going to win 20 games with that team i think he does um love verlander love scherzer i'm a little bit nervous on scherzer but uh max is still max so he's still an ace and uh both those guys are going to the hall of fame verlander and scherzer and it's been fun watching their careers. We talked Cody Senga a minute ago, 97 to 100. He's got four pitches. The splitter's the best secondary pitch. The question is command and control. And he's well, got to get used to the baseball. ET-like fingers, right? He's also got ET-like fingers. Yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy fingers. <laughs> but he's got to get used to a new baseball, too, because the baseball is a lot different than the one in Japan. So that that's a little bit of an adjustment. He's in great shape. He is in great shape. He's, he's, a, he's a specimen. He is. Carlos Carrasco, I got a chance to talk to him for a long time. Uh, he's feeling good. Uh, you know, he told me he's still learning. And he said, you know, it's pretty fun at his age. He's been around a long time. But he said he's still picking the brains of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer and still learning from them and feels blessed that he's in the same rotation as those two guys. And then you got Jose Quintana, who doesn't, you know, it's not going to give you the strikeouts. He doesn't light up a lot of things. But uh, last year came off a really solid year in terms of ERA. And he's on a team where, you know, he probably gets double-digit wins. He probably gets 10 wins being able to pitch for the Mets. You know, and and behind him, them, you know, David Peterson, Tyler McGill, like these are these are names to know. I mean, listen, Carrasco's had health issues, Quintana's had health issues uh, as well. So you know that back end of the rotation could get. Uh, and, a and Buck loves McGill, and Buck kept reminding us of how well McGill pitched at the end of the year. And he he made an emphasis of that, and Billy Epler did as well. So I'm glad you brought that up because. Uh, you know, there's no doubt every team's, you know, as Alex Anthopoulos, the GM of the Braves, told me last week, they went through 11 starting pitchers last year winning the division. 11. So you're going to need depth, no doubt about it. And to your point, yeah, they got a couple of good ones in Peterson and McGill. Love it. All right, now to the bullpen here. Edwin Diaz, uh, number one closer, third-round pick. Yeah, third-round pick. And yeah, and if you want to set up guys, Adam Ottavino, the first guy. Now, I had a big debate with Adam Ottavino because I am accusing him of having an illegal uniform because I believe on the back of his jersey, it's a letter, not a number. I believe it's an O and not a zero. He and I had a a nice little debate on that. If you want to hear it, go to MLB Network Radio On Demand and you can hear the interview with Ottavino. Uh, But again, illegal uniform is what I call it. Now, he wouldn't say it's a number (laughs) or a letter. He pleaded the fifth. So we won't go there. But again, he, he, he's got an illegal uniform. David Robertson and, uh, and Brooks Raley, they picked up in the offseason. They'll do the setup work. But with the Mets, you don't have to worry about it. You know he's getting all the, all the closes, all the saves going to Diaz, every single one of them. And the other guys will mix and match all the way through. So at least with the Mets, you don't have to worry about closer by committee. If you draft them in the third round, uh, you probably will lead the league in saves. You know, I'll tell you what, we're going to be talking to Jen Piacenti uh, a little later on here in the show. 
uh, talking about the Tout Wars Mixed League draft that she did uh, earlier today, and they use saves plus holds. And that's, uh, you know, when you're grabbing a team like that, you know, the closer by committee, uh, it's a little easier to deal with it in that sense. But, you know, for somebody in, in a league like that, grabbing a guy like Ottavino, it doesn't matter if he's getting any saves. So, you know, the, the, the work that he puts in getting holds is, uh, is just, as, uh, just as tasty uh, when you're playing in leagues like that. Um, so we talked Alvarez. We talked Beatty a little bit. Um, any other rookies to uh, to highlight here? Something uh, something they got going down down in the farm that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I really don't think for this year, Howard. I mean, I, Kevin Parada for sure is special catcher. May may end up at first base. Can hit. Scott Power. I absolutely love him. Um, they've got an outfield named Alex Ramirez, a stud like him. Love Jet Williams, the young shortstop. But no one outside of dynasty leagues. There's there's no one there that that you need to even. Uh, pay attention to it all all right for this year to know all right no problem no problem um i I would ask you i usually ask you you know what we think about their front office being uh you know aggressive if they need to be i mean we'll see that's the thing we thought that they were going to be aggressive at the trade deadline last year and they weren't so you know what do you say about you know what happens uh if the mets are in it um, do they make a move to uh, to improve something? Well, I want to say this. I mean, first of all, one of the goals of Steve Cohen is to build a, a farm system and develop players for his big league club. So when, if and when they make moves at the deadline, and I would say they will, only matter of when, not if, I wouldn't expect Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, or Kevin Parada to be any names that are involved in any trade, even if it's for a star. I can't see that happening unless it was for a trade for like Shohei Otani and they could sign Otani at the same, at the time of the trade. So I just don't see that happening. But look, Steve Cohen has been a Mets fan his whole life and he has more money than any other owner. And he's willing to spend all of it and he doesn't really care about the luxury tax. So if there's anything out there that can help put them over the top of the deadline, they're going to go do it, period. But, but I, I don't want people to lose sight that he really cares about developing his own players and farm system, and he wants to build his team that way. And so in order to win, you know, he's going to need the next few years to have three or four guys in their farm system playing for the minimum at the big league level so he can go pay Otani or he can go pay, you know, eventually Juan Soto or some superstar in free agency. So don't think he'll take the farm system and just deal it for pieces at the deadline because I think that's highly unlikely. I think Steve Cohen really understands assets. He understands business. He understands long-term planning. Um, he understands the importance of defense. No question about that, which has been a priority. He is heavily involved on a day-to-day basis. And he brings all the resources intellectually and financially to the baseball people. So it's, it's, a, it's a perfect situation if you're in the front office or you're Buck Showalter or a coach. This is your perfect situation. So expect them to be busy, busy, busy at the deadline, baby. All right. Great to know as we wrap up our talk here about the New York Mets. Jim, I always ask you, one sleeper, one bust for fantasy purposes. Yeah, I mean, the bust is Eduardo Escobar for me. I, I Look, not that he can't hit some homers, but I think he's a bust in fantasy. And I, I think Brett Beatty is going to beat him out. Um, in terms of the sleeper, I'm going to go with Francisco Alvarez. And the reason I'm going to go with Alvarez uh, and I debated between him and Beatty. It'd be one of the two. Okay, so Alvarez starts the year in the in the minor leagues. Fine, he's one of the best hitting prospects in the game, 
And he's a 25-30 home run bat. Now, the reason I say he's a sleeper is look where he's going in ADP right now in drafts. That's a bargain. And so the reason that he's going that late in drafts is that we all know he's going to the minor leagues. So what happens when he's called up on June 3rd or May 28th? And now he's the everyday catcher. Now he's hitting 25 home runs. And now he's putting up those kind of numbers. I mean, that's a sleeper in fantasy. That is a sleeper catcher in fantasy. Guys like him and Gabby Moreno are absolutely sleepers when it comes to fantasy catchers. So on a day we're doing catchers, that's got to be my sleeper of the Mets. All right. Listen, I can definitely dig it. And uh, and we'll look at uh, we'll see what happens. Throughout this season, we'll check in uh, throughout spring training with the uh, with the New York Mets, and we'll uh, take a look and see do these sleepers actually pan out? The bust, I think you nailed it one hundred percent.